Hey everyone, welcome to Take a Second, a weekly Come Follow Me podcast meant to strengthen our personal connections with Jesus Christ, as well as deepen our appreciation for His role in our Heavenly Father's universal plan of salvation. I'm Brian Ricks, and Stuart Black is here with me. Thanks for joining us, and let's get into uh, let's get into this week's scripture block. And I'd love to know from anybody watching out there or who's listening to it on one of the podcasts, go back and leave a comment. I want to know what your favorite, which one of these yeah. Beatitudes is your favorite, either because you've seen the benefit of it or because it's the one thing that you wish you had more of. Okay, so Luke 5, no, Matthew, Matthew 5, 5, Luke, Luke 6, 6, yes. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount. First part. And the Sermon, Sermon on, on the Plains. Plains. Yeah. Um, you want to say anything to introduce? or uh, Just just that idea that you brought up that uh, we mentioned regarding Matthew that he is he's drawing a lot of parallels to Old Testament, the most important people. In one of my classes a couple of weeks ago, we talked about who would be on the Mount Rushmore of Old Testament people for Jewish of, or okay. for Jews of Jesus' day, who, if that makes sense. Yeah, are you well, limiting it to four? Oh, yeah, you only get the four, four. So that's the hard thing, right? And these sports arguments about, okay, who's the greatest? Yeah. LeBron's, you know, getting on, nearing the uh, scoring record and stuff. So I said for Jewish people, it would probably be Abraham, Moses, David, and Elijah. Elijah's more of the Teddy Roosevelt, like, ah, dark horse. Like, he's great, don't get me wrong, yeah. but he's not a Washington, yeah. right? <laughs> and so that idea of, like, those four. And and so when Matthew's writing this, the Sermon on the Mountain, well, this is, he's talking about Moses' law. The idea is this is, again, Jehovah on the mountain. So don't lose sight of that. And so I love that connection of why Matthew would emphasize this is on a mount. On a mount. Because I want you initially to put your mind back to Moses receiving the law. This is as much of that law. So if that makes sense. Do you think that it sounds like you think there's just one sermon, Matthew and Luke just put the sermon, same sermon in different locations? I, no, I, I think or Jesus think probably taught us sermons? for sure more than once. And you, More than twice, you think? Yeah. Really? You don't I think, think so. you just gave it once and was like, look. No, I'm it. all done. This is that's the only it. time I'm ever going to say this. Look, it's on social media. Go look it up. Like, <laughs> no, I don't go think. Go find it on your gospel library app. I wasn't there, but <laughs> I, I think that there's a lot of these things that when they're compiling that as Jesus is going town to town, I'm sure there's repeat messages. Yeah. And as he's talking about sheep and he uses sheep in a whole bunch of different ways and Matthew writes it this way and Luke writes it this way and John's going to talk about sheep this way. You're like. There's a lot of times that Jesus would have talked about shepherds and sheep and followers yep. and then found different ways to relate it based on what his audience needed at that time. Yeah, just another reason why we should be surprised when we see differences in the Gospels is the fact that they're all going to be – on their missions, they're going to be in different places. They will have heard different accounts, and yep. and just because Jesus taught it one way in one place doesn't mean he, did, he taught it a little different somewhere else. Yeah. You know, so today we're going to talk about – Blessed, 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 and up on the mountain, yeah. and then down in the plain in Luke's account, it's blessed, 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 and then he's going to go on and say, oh, by the way, there's some woes that come along with this. Yeah. Now, it kind of seems like those woes are implied with these blessed just because the opposite is always true, mm-hmm. right? There's always a, a, a curse attached to every blessing, or yeah. so to speak, con- contrary to every blessing. If you want the blessing, you do this. If you don't do it, then you get the curse. Mm-hmm. And so... The curses that are mentioned explicitly in Luke, I think, are implicit in, yeah. in Matthew's account. Yeah. So where do you want to start? I, I do you Matthew, just want to start Matthew. Matthew five, yeah. It's, okay. I uh, just a couple different teaching ideas again. If you're teaching this, I think uh, for families or classes or whatever, I think a little matching game. 
would be good. Like, and you could do it like memory style, or you could do a fill in the blank. Okay, blessed are the poor in spirit because, and then let people try and guess. And that could just be like a couple of minutes, just Super get fast. going, and and then memorize a couple of those, and then those these first verses three to three to twelve just really open up an opportunity. When have you seen this? When have you tried this? When have you done it? When have you noticed it in somebody else? They're really just very great ways to then uh, invite uh, people to testify of, I have seen this. I've seen this promise come true. I've seen that the Lord said, this is my blessing that's there. Um, and I, I know that when I taught this in seminary a bunch of uh, different times, that uh, I think it was in 2008, BYU had the their logan for their, or the slogan for their team, um, Quest for Perfection. Remember that? Then they lost to TCU. And then they lost to, TCU, that's <laughs> and then right. they lost to Utah, and it was like, darn it. Yep. It was a, it was a rough year, right? Uh, but uh, in in that idea, I think this is a great way to like draw, you could draw a bunch of stairs and you could break down as many of these as you wanted to say, OK, at the end of this chapter, the very last verse in Matthew five is be therefore perfect. Well, if you just look at that so far away, you're like, well, that's impossible. I quit. And and we, we'll talk about that later on, I'm sure. But if you look at that as a commandment, which it is, mm-hmm. then you're thinking, how do I even get there? I really think that a lot of the rest of the chapter is. Take it a step at a time. And so when you're looking at this, not a quest that, okay, you can't mess up at all, like lose to TCU or Utah in your 2008 season, but it's, okay, what's my next step? Where am am I going from here? And for each of us, it's not this step has to have or precede this one and come before this other one. It's what are you working on now? What is next in your life? And so I love that idea then of, of a bunch of different ones of these. And so that's my basic teaching idea ab- about that, where I would start. Yeah, and I so I just I've all, I love the question. What does it look like? Yeah. What What does this look like? It's a quick question that jumps, that pulls things out of the pages and and lets, whether it's a class or whether it's your family or, or just your group of friends, uh, it's just a super easy question to ask, and it immediately brings stuff from the pages into today and and makes me say, all right, as I look around, what what does what does a peacemaker look like? How do you know a peacemaker? Yeah. Um, you know, what does it look like to hunger and thirst after righteousness? Like that's that's a, that it, we all know someone who does that. What does that look like? Um, because and then with that conversation, then it's really easy to make the jump to how do I do yep. how do I do that more? Um, and I love your idea about the fact that this isn't meant to be a chronological. I've seen it taught that way, and and it it fits. But I'm not much of a chronological person. I'm kind of a scatterbrain. I'm all over the place. I'm the opposite. <laughs> I, it makes more sense to me to, to go through chapter 5, and then and you can also include 6 and 7 in that. Yep. And just take a look, and, and as you're reading, be like, you know what? The one I need to work with the most is getting angry. Yeah. Yep. And so not I'm going to work angry. on – yeah, actually, I do – I need good. to do a lot better I at mean, being mad. I get really, I'm really good at the getting angry side of things. Just kidding. But, uh, yeah, so I'm going to focus on 21 through 26. Yeah. And that's what I'm going to work on right now. And I may go back to being a light later on in 15, but right now I can't be a light on a on a candlestick until I figure out my anger thing. Yeah. And so – or, you know, whatever these things are, verse 6, I need to do – chapter 6, I need to do a better job with my prayers – there's in my head there's no reason why i need to do this chronologically this then this absolutely yeah mm-hmm. i i agree with that and i just you, you mentioned the anger one so uh, i want to come back to some of the beatitude part okay. of that in a second but just just that thought i'm going to lose it if if not but in 21 to 20 26 as you mentioned 
in, in verse 22, it says, But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. I've heard Raka translated a bunch of different ways, idiot or fool or empty-headed person or, or whatever, right? That I, I, as I've gotten older, like... And I, as I've tried to cage the little mean animal that lives inside of me that I've just been like, all right, calm down. Like, just be nicer. <laughs> I, I've realized that um, those moments when I get angry or I get impatient or I get mad, part of the reason the Lord's trying to do that is not just because it's it's bad just because it's bad, but it affects me. Mm-hmm. It, it literally drives away the spirit in my life. If I'm upset at uh, or have a disagreement with somebody about something that they're like, it eats at me. It festers. And I'm like, I, I'm the type of person, I'm like, I want to solve it now. I want that sliver pulled out right now. And sometimes that's not always the best time to pull out the sliver. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time to approach that. But I, I've realized in my life the wisdom behind this counsel from the Savior, that the faster that I can resolve differences and be at peace with my brother and with my uh, the, the people I interact with in my life, not my literal brother, he's a good dude, but that the more peace that I, f- I find in my life and the easier it is to then be filled and to really seek after righteousness and to do some of these other things. And it takes me understanding there's a flip side of this. If you don't, look out for the consequences. Yeah, yeah and I, so with those verses and um, uh, the phrase in 22, without a cause, uh, I really like Thomas Weymouth's uh, translation, the new... The, his translation for Latter-day Saints, and it, this isn't a sponsored video, but um, I really like it. I, I like I like his take on it. I I know that he's this isn't one where he's just kind of flippantly going out there. I know that he's reviewed actual Greek uh, manuscripts, and and he has a background in it where I really like some of his insights. And he points out that the King James translators, it's not a criticism so much as it is just an observation that. We know something now in 2023 uh, or 2018 or whenever he did his his translation publication of it yeah. that we knew some we know something now that they didn't know then the the inclusion of the phrase without a cause according to to Wayman is it comes from inferior lesser known um, or or lesser uh, qualified documents and that as we've advanced in our in our gathering of Greek documents that that became the new testament it becomes apparent that that probably wasn't in there in the original but it is what the the king james translator it was in there when the king james translators were kind of compiling everything and so it's not a criticism of the the kjv except just to say you know what it's not in there and i find it interesting that joseph smith took it out yeah uh and the savior does in third nephi and in third nephi it's not in there so it kind of and it fits the pattern the rest of these, that the Savior's going to go, hey, you've heard it said, don't commit Here's adultery. the higher law. You've heard it said, don't kill. Um, this, it, with if you remove that clause, it fits the it fits the rest of the pattern quite a bit better. Um, so, and it, I guess really quick, I just want to point out for each of these, starting in verse twenty. Um, Verse 20, he says, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's a pretty stark uh, condemnation of the scribes and Pharisees. And then we talked about how when Jesus overcomes the temptations of Satan, how he he constantly goes back three times. It is written, it is written, it is written. 
But now it's interesting, each of these, he says, you've heard that it was said. Verse 27, you've heard that it was said. Um, verse 30, it hath been said. Verse 33, ye have heard that it hath been said. Verse 38, ye have heard that it hath been said. 43, you have heard that it hath been said. One of the teaching ideas that I think would be fun, kind of as a cultural examination of the church and, and of our of our ward, or whether that's a, a YSA ward or a home ward, uh, maybe if I'm if I've got kids at home, I might talk to them about their, you know, their young men's group or their young women's group. But what are the things that you have heard? Like, what is the what's the cultural expectations right. of your group? Um, and compare that to what is written. Yeah. How how does your quorum behave as compared to what they're it's written they <laughs> yeah, should behave that's a right? Good idea. Um, and I think this each of these goes on as a condemnation of the the Pharisees and the scribes because remember what they've done with the written law is they've built these kind of perfunctory yeah. oral law. So and you can't even get law, close. Yeah. yeah, and and their their whole reasoning. So we say this sometimes as a criticism of the Pharisees. Originally, it was with really good intention. I think as parents, we do the same thing. We're like, don't date before you're 16. And then all of a sudden, we start coming up with all these written laws or these oral, <laughs> oral laws about what that looks like. Uh, you're going to go hang out, at her, but there's only two of you. Yeah, that looks like a date. You can't do that. Um, but it might be it might be kind of a fun conversation to say, what's the culture of yeah. the ward or everything else? Doctrinally, I think the Lord is saying the Pharisees and the scribes have gone so far off base because they've focused on what has been said and not what has been written. Mm -hmm. And we need to be, we need to be grounded and founded on, on the rock of Christ, which is what is written. Absolutely. And not our, not our current customs or traditions. And, and the idea behind that, and we kind of mentioned it earlier, but uh, in the footnotes for three, it says the Latin beatus is the basis of the English beatitude, meaning to be fortunate, to be happy, or to be blessed. These things make us happy. Mm -hmm. That that's the idea behind the Lord's like I know what's going to make you happy and what's not, and His perspective and His wisdom is just exceeds us. And so therefore, why is He giving us these things? Th this is totally that shift in mindset of God gives me commandments because He wants me to be happy, happy. not to limit me and put me into a box. Yeah. That's that is really not the perception of uh, that we should be having. Is that they they limit me? It's I'm happier. And what again, what an opportunity then to share and to testify with your class and your family of this is how I've been happy when I try to have a pure heart, when I try and not be angry, when I try and control my thoughts, when I try to be salt and a light. Yeah. I, I when love have you that. been successful and when haven't mm -hmm. you? Yeah. And find the happiness in it and really like really analyze that for yourself. And you're like, yeah, it's true. And we're not talking about fleeting things. We're think, talking about things that truly last Genuine. and make it yep. make a difference for you. Um, I, I just Hold wanted to, oh, go ahead. I just had a panic moment. Hopefully we're good. <laughs> and we're back. Okay. <laughs> After these messages. Okay. Uh, I, I just wanted to share just one, uh, one of the uh, Beatitudes uh, from a little bit earlier. In uh, verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I, I, Elder, uh, Elder Bednar a couple years ago um, gave a talk about about meekness and uh april 2018 and he said meekness is a defining attribute of the redeemer and is distinguished by righteous responsiveness willing submissiveness and strong self-restraint and it, it just reminded me of that story that uh perhaps you've heard it this this guy goes to a 
uh, a wrecker where they have these two huge uh, pistons that smash up cars. And so it's a junkyard and they smash, they uh, put the car in and then there's a huge piston that comes down and smashes it. And then there's two uh, piston that comes over this side and smashes it and it puts them in the cubes. And I really have thought about this. I'm like, that would be a job I would like, smashing stuff. <laughs> and, and the story is told that they had this whole automated system. And they're, they're taking some people on a tour of it, and they've watched them smash up these cars with these tiny little cubes. And as a demonstration, he asks this kind of high-up, wealthy executive guy, he says, hand me your watch. And the watch is thousands of dollars, and so this watch is not thousands of dollars. And he takes the watch, and he puts it in there, and he, like, measures it, and he goes over to the computer, and the piston goes, and just stops, like, millimeters from it. And then he, like, looks at the length of it this way, go to the computer, and the piston goes, and just stops millimeters in it. And he takes out the watch and hands it back to the guy, and the guy's like, there's not a scratch on it. And as the, as the man's putting the watch back on, he's a member of the church, he says, that's the greatest display of meekness I've ever seen, because meekness is ultimate power under complete control. I've never heard and, that story. And I, I like love that. that story. I, I've I, I've heard it for years. You can, I'm sure somebody's going to Google it and find it. But I love that idea of meekness is not weakness. Meekness is ultimate power that is so controlled that you are not getting angry and you're not letting your thoughts run away from you and you are choosing to be the salt and the flavor of the earth and a light to other people. And and those are the people who really inherit all things, who inherit the earth. Yeah. That is Jesus to just to an uh, as we talked about the the temptations that he went through, ultimate power, complete control. Yeah. He never lets it get out. I, I think as just another teaching, I and maybe this isn't so much as a teaching, I, but just as a way of, of generating conversation about these. And I'd love to know from anybody watching it out there or who's listening to it on one of the podcasts, go back and leave a comment. I want to know what your favorite, which one of these yeah. Beatitudes is your favorite, either because you've seen the benefit of it or because it's the one thing that you wish you had more of. So for it, um, for me, um, I love verse six, they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Like this is my, that is my wife. Like she is constantly, she is always thirsty for something more when it comes to, she wants to know more about the doctrine. She wants to know more about the prophet's lives. She, she's constantly consuming good stuff. Uh, and for me personally, I go back to the peacemaker. Um, like that's that's what I want my kids to be. That's what I would like to do a better job of being that one person who is uh, who just has the 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 peaceful or that calming influence uh, wherever they go. And so those are my two favorites. One because I want to be more like it in verse nine and six because I live with someone who is who is that, and I can see the good that it is in their life. And, and I'm a recipient of that, of that, of those blessings. I love that. So I'd like to know. And so for those of you that are out there, leave a, leave a comment down in. below. What's your favorite, what's your favorite beatitude and why? Great. Love that. That's a great, great idea. Uh, obviously we can't go through all of these, but uh, on this first page or first part, uh, just that, that other one, I, I, I love 13. You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. As you're teaching Matthew 5, and then especially in Matthew 6 and 7 as well, what a great opportunity to do object lessons for whoever you're teaching, mm -hmm. to show them some salt, to put a light or a candle, a flashlight, to later on when you get moats and beams and show them like, okay, what's the difference between those things? And I, 
I think you get a little bit of salt. You're like a little bit of salt goes a long ways. Mm-hmm. And unless you're it, me. Yeah, and you just I, I love everything. <laughs> and and that idea of like it's a little bit is is so great and. And you can even make this a joke. I mean, the the term is out there, and it's more for younger people than older people. But don't be salty. Don't be salty. Don't be so salty. And you're like, okay, this is Jesus salty. Jesus says, be, be salty. Salt. You really need to be. <laughs> and the the difference of what is he really looking at? And if you take a little bit of salt and just mix it with dirt and say, what's this good for? It's nothing. Nothing. It, you can't it, put it on your you food. Cannot. You cannot. Yep. It, it will ruin your food. It will. It, nothing will be preserved. Like it doesn't do anything. It and you can't go and just pull. Grains grain of, of, salt, of out. salt out. You just can't. It is literally worthless, and it needs to be thrown away. Yeah. So in my so I, I joke a little bit about how much I like salt. It's it's, it's well. It's not known. a joke. It's a <laughs> yeah. So so much so that we had a neighbor one time leave a brick of salt, like a salt lick, on our porch for uh, for Christmas Eve one night. And um, but I have I have chronic low blood pressure. And that's and the salt is that was the doctor's like that was his solution. You're like, all right, honey, the doctor said it. (laughs) Done. In fact, the doctor turned to my wife and said, when you're done salting his food, add to it, like salt it again. (laughs) Um, Best doctor ever. (laughs) But for me, like that is salt is such an essential part of me being able to just stand upright and 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 get up and down out of a chair or off a couch, Um, and I can feel when the salt is low, Um, and so. When you talk about the salt doing its job, man, I, I, it's it's a big deal for me, and it's it for them back then. It's how you'd preserve your meat. It's how you'd it's it's how you get your salt to you'd have your food to taste just right. And and if it's good for nothing, I mean, you talk about if it's mixed for with dirt, it, there's nothing that it can be used for. There's not a use of salt that 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 can work for. Yeah. Um, with object lessons, I like combining 13 and then 14 through 16 with the light. Do not try this at home, and don't let your toddlers try this. But if you take a an extension cord, uh-huh. one of those cheap extension cords, yeah. that you can, and you can see the two lines yeah. on it, yeah. you separate it and you cut one of them, strip it back, and then and <laughs> it sounds awful. But you plug it in, and then you take a big warning right here. That's right. <laughs> and you you take a a bottle of water. And then and you plug that extension cord into a lamp, and then you take those two bare copper wires and drop them into the water. The light bulb will flicker a little bit because water carries that current, right? right. The, the minerals in the water carry the current. What's really cool is when you add salt to it, the light bulb, like, especially if you add a ton of salt, as that salt gets down closer to those those copper conductors, yeah. all of a sudden the light bulb, like, magnifies and intensifies a lot and so I just like the connection between salt and light and the fact that in order to be a light you have to be salt and you have to be good salt Um, I'd say that's one of my favorite object lessons when anytime I do it, anytime I plug that in, and there's that those bear cut, everybody's like, ah! um, but kind of a fun object lesson. That's great. That's great. What's another one here? Um, Started with that salt one. Another object lesson? Nah, another, or another, another set verse. of verses? Yeah, if you'd like. Um, I'm fascinated, I guess just before we jump over to Luke, I'm fascinated with verse 16. So he talks about verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. And we often hear a lot of times people talk about Jesus is the light, Jesus is the light, Jesus is the light. And that's true. But notice, here's Jesus saying, you're the light. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light to all the house. And then in verse 16, he says, let your light shine. 
so before men that they may see your good works and that your good works glorify the Father. Now, our works only glorify the Father if we're meek and if we've started to master some of these beatitudes. Otherwise, we start to get, you know, President Benson warned decades ago um, that sometimes applause can be a man's greatest uh, obstacle because we start to, I guess, we inhale a little bit. Yeah. And, and so our good works, we're, we're commanded to let our light shine. We have a light and we should let it shine. And we don't, you know, we don't temper that because of the crowd we're in, but it is always with the purpose of, of having people see heavenly father through the things that, that he's given us. Yeah. And I I think those people with the true light, they're the ones who help other people understand the Lord's given me that light in the, in the first place. He's the one who's blessed you with abilities or talents or whatever it is. And when you're giving that glory to the father, that that's the purpose of that mm-hmm. and, and shining it that way. Yep. I, uh, I, I don't know. There's two other things here in Matthew five. I'd, I'd love to bring up, but, uh, I maybe just one, I guess that, uh, in verse 44, um, kind of just a, a quick little experience. When, when I was on my mission, I served in Ontario, Canada, and uh, we were teaching um, a guy named, we'll call him Rick, I guess. And um, Rick lived with a whole bunch of other roofers in his house, and they were just like very rough around the edges, uh, just kind of hard-nosed people. And we went there once, and they're like, no, Rick's gone. And so we're like, okay. And like people were sloshed. So we turn around to go, and this guy had like slammed the door in our face, opens it again. He's like, come in and talk to us. And he grabs the back of my backpack. And like I could tell that he's like so drunk. I'm like, this conversation's not going anywhere. And he pulls me in, and like people were doing drugs and bad things inside the house. And there's beer bottles everywhere. They had been drinking for a while. And he like brings my companion and I into the house and he's like, all right, start talking to us. And he's just like slurring his words and he's smoking and he's just breathing and spitting in my face. And he's like, like nose to nose with me. Sort of like trying to be patient and like talk to him a little bit. And he's like, he just starts making fun of everything I hold sacred. And like, I mean, incredibly like hurtful, like comments to me and of like uh, about me and about God and about the, the son and about the Holy ghost. And, and uh, he's like, why don't you sing us a song? And I'm not good at singing. Those who know me are watching this, they know that. So I turn to my companion. I'm like, all right. So we sing, I'm a child of God. And it just stops. And all of a sudden, Rick comes out of his bedroom. And he's like, you better let those guys go. And we're like, what's going on? He's like, if you don't, something bad's going to happen to us. We're going to fall off the roof tomorrow. We're going to die. Like he was like, all of a sudden, like paranoid, like you're making fun of good people. And that's not okay. And so I'm like, no, nah, we, we just better go. We'll come another time. And all of a sudden, they're like, no, you can't go. And I'm like, we're going to get kidnapped. This is the Saratov approach happening here in Ontario, Canada. <laughs> Canada. <laughs> and I'm like kind of freaking out because these guys are like, no, you can't leave. And Rick says, you can't go until you pray. And so I'm like, all right, I'm happy to pray for you. And so as I'm praying, literally in the prayer, this other guy is just like in my face, spitting on me, breathing tobacco on me, just his stinky, gross breath, mocking me as I literally am praying for him by name. And uh, said, amen. We're like, all right, have a good one. And walked outside and Matthew 5, just pops into my mind of, I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. I, I had done that in the past, not very well, but I had done that in the moment of persecution literally praying for someone while being persecuted. 
and it totally just shifted my gears and made me think this quest for perfection that we're talking about, this is what Jesus does and has done and is always doing. And in a very, very small little way, I felt what it was like to pray for people who don't care about you, Mm. who really, it's not going to change them. The verse doesn't say that, and then they'll love you. And the persecution will stop. Will stop, and, then and and it just doesn't. And it is you still love them. Mm-hmm. That is what it takes to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ: is absolute purity of love. Yeah. So I last thing for me in Matthew verse forty-eight: be therefore perfect. That's that verse is at the end of or at the center of a lot of conversations in the church. Um, President Nelson has written, you know, has, has given a talk on be there. Perfection for, pending. Perfection pending. Uh, Elder Holland has a talk. Be there for perfect. Eventually. eventually. Yes. Um, and I, and I, there's a lot of things in those talks that I really like about it. One, and one thing that's pointed out often is here, the Savior only includes the Father. Post-resurrection in Third Nephi, uh, the Savior is going to include himself as your Father in heaven and, or I am perfect, right? And uh, I've mentioned already Thomas Wayman's uh, translation, which gives another spin and another facet to that conversation of, of possible meanings and, and applications. But in his translation, rather than be therefore perfect as a command, he suggests that the Greek is more of a, it's almost more of a promise. As you do these things, you will be perfect, which I think goes back to Moroni 7 when Moroni is talking about charity, which for me is like that's that Achilles heel characteristic that I don't know if I'm ever going to get. But in talking about charity, Moroni lists out all of the things that charity is and why we should want it. And then in verse 48, it says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, pray unto the Father with all the energy of heart that you may be filled with this love. See, it's not pray with all the energy of your heart that you'll figure it out or that you'll develop or that you'll build this. Sometimes we talk about, you know, characteristics like building a muscle. And we use Benjamin Franklin as the example with his little notebook. And he would work on something for several weeks and then he'd move on to the next the next characteristic. Moroni gives a little bit of a different twist on it, that, that there's almost a responsibility or a, a, a reliance on God to give us the characteristics that we so badly want, and that it's on his merits. We become charitable not because we've built a muscle. We've gone to the charity gym so many times, you know, and we've built our charity biceps up, but we, we eventually become charitable because God gives us charity. God fills us with it. A car that gets filled with gas hasn't done anything to get filled. It just sits there. And and I think likewise with a lot of these Christ-like attributes, it's not that you're doing something to earn or or deserve the blessing. Um, Heavenly Father just says, or Moroni says, look, pray to God and then wait for him to fill you with it. And with Thomas Wayman's interpretation or his his translation of this again i'm not saying that it's the right translation i'm not saying that it's the only interpretation of it but it's certainly worth it's certainly worth considering that there is a promise heavenly father saying look if you take the sermon that jesus has given here and what he's going to say in six and seven if you'll take these and you will make them a lifelong goal then i promise through the son that i will make you perfect and as Latter-day Saints, I think it's important for us to recognize that all good that comes into our life comes into our life on the merits of Jesus Christ, not because of anything we've done. Mm-hmm. And I and I like that. Through that lens, I really like Thomas Wayman's 
translation of this verse and that it's a promise to us that God will make us perfect, not that we make ourselves perfect. Right. And and that idea, I I love that we've hit on that today, that this is this is a process of, of becoming complete. It's not a one time stop. Mm-hmm. Um uh, President Oaks once said that the institutions of the world teach you to know something. The gospel of Jesus Christ encourages you to become something. Mm-hmm. And and that's what I think is is the basis of this chapter of you are becoming much higher than you were. And even as Jesus is saying, this was the law. Now I'm telling you this. Not that the law was bad, but he says, okay, you've, you've got that. Let's keep going. Mm-hmm. How else can you improve it yourself as a disciple? And I, I love that visualization yeah. then too. That's great. Okay, Luke 6. Yeah, anything in Luke you want to um, bring up? The, verse 39, he spake a parable unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? Uh, there's, I, I think this is the Savior's, maybe one of the Savior's earliest commentaries on the Pharisees. Like, this is the blind leading the blind. We, and, and it's, there is a... Um, there's almost a, at least the way I read it, there's there's a hint of frustration here. There's a, like, the Pharisees had everything given to them necessary to know the gospel and be good shepherds, or at least decent hirelings, <laughs> um, and and they're not, and and so the Savior's saying, and I think it's a commentary on the on the Jewish system at the time. Like, it's no wonder that the common Jewish person is struggling to understand the law of Moses and why we have to give this, you know, I think you go back and look at what the savior has said. And you've heard it said about the law of Moses, this there's, it, it it seems like the Jews at the time missed the point of the law of Moses. It had become this checklist. Um, and it was just about don't kill. Okay. I've not killed. I'm good. Um, in Elder Holland's talk, Be Therefore Perfect Eventually, he talks about, you know, sometimes you think I've got a commandment licked and then the Savior pulls a stunt like he does in these chapters and says, oh, don't kill. Great. Now don't even get mad. Mm-hmm. And and it's almost like the Savior saying, oh, I, and I, I almost wonder if in Moses's day, they understood this. They understood that the thou shalt not kill trickled down to every part of my interactions, not just murder. Don't go down that street. Yeah. Don't yeah. Don't go down the path. Don't experience the emotions that lead you to this, and that somewhere along the way, you know, whether that's Isaiah's day or Jeremiah's day or you know whatever, somewhere along the way, we got so focused on the oral laws that we forgot the purpose of the written law, and so the and and I've just always you look at verse thirty nine as kind of the Savior's commentary on what's going on in the Jewish religious system of the day. It's great. I. I just had just one thought in Luke 6 that I love, and uh, and to me it's just because it relates back to the Matthew things. In, in verse 46, Jesus asks, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? He says, uh, and I'm again, I'm not saying that he's telling you, okay, the only way to follow Jesus is by never messing up. But he's saying that, boy, you sure got to be trying. Mm-hmm. It, it's not enough just to say, nope, he's my guy, and then you don't do anything related to that. Like, don't don't be surprised that the Lord gives us hard commandments, and then he asks us to do hard things. That the easy part is, yeah, I don't kill. Okay, then don't become angry. Uh, eliminate contention in your life. 
be the first one when you go to the temple to say, all right, maybe I need to resolve some peace first. And maybe I need to reach out to other people. And, and I love this, that visualization where he says, do the things that I say and I'll help you. And, and that's, the, that's the peace. That's the hope when it comes from Jesus Christ and perfection is pending. Yeah. And be therefore perfect eventually is that you have help because of Jesus Christ. Yeah, it is. It, there's no part of this that we're asked to do alone. Um, but we are asked to do something. This verse, and you get to John, where when he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And there's several verses like this throughout the scriptures that are my response to Christian, both antagonists and and those that are just curious about Latter-day Saints who are trying to work their way to the kingdom. It's, we're not trying to work our way to the kingdom. No. We're simply trying to do what the Lord has asked us to do. And this is the reason why. And And my response when I'm in groups of Latter-day Saints is, it's really this this very interesting accusation that we throw at some maybe some of our, our especially the Baptists who grab onto this idea of saved by grace and and I proclaim Jesus I was saved on this day. I, I'm quick to point out I've never met a Baptist who loves the Lord who isn't trying to do this. Mm. I, I've not I've not ever met a Baptist who doesn't who does sometimes what we accuse them of doing of disregarding the commandments because I'm saved. I've not ever met somebody like that. There, so it's so funny how often we polarize each other in our conversations right. and we miss the fact that both Latter-day Saints and Baptists are really trying to do the same thing. We're trying to do what the Lord has asked us to do so that we can become more like Him and so that we can receive um, and continue to receive the blessings that He's been giving us all along. Yeah, Love that great thought. So, These are great chapters. Enjoy studying them and looking into them and um, progress on that path. Yep. And we'll see you next week. Well, thanks again for joining us on Take a Second for Come Follow Me. Brother Black and myself want to emphasize that in this episode or any other episode, there's nothing that we've said that is meant to or can in any way be interpreted as the official doctrine or policy or practice of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, Brother Black and myself simply represent two guys that enjoy talking about Scripture and and on our own life experiences as it relates to the gospel of Jesus Christ and and hope that in sharing some of our thoughts and, and insights, but certainly our personal opinions and nothing more, that uh, maybe it might open up the Scriptures a little bit to you. So thanks again for joining us on Take a Second, and we will see you in our next episode. <laughs>